we begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, the, the series name this year is The Pursuit of God. And this is a time of spiritual renewal. We gave you all letters and I sent out an email also so that everybody kind of is on the same page here about what we want to accomplish. This is a time that we want to recommit ourselves to the Lord, a time of being refreshed by God and in our relationship with him. And during this time, as we've said, there's going to be some special speakers the next couple of weeks. Every week there's going to be a time of prayer and a time of Bible study. And we encourage you to take part in all that you can and to get all that God has for you at this time. Uh, like I said, the series is called The Pursuit of God. So let's just talk about that word pursuit. What does it mean to pursue something? What do you think? To go after. To chase after. Right. Uh, how about then what would it mean to pursue God? Uh, run after him at the cross? Okay. Not give up? Seek a relationship with him. Right. And pray, be in his word. Oh, yeah, we could go on here about many more uh, things. But when I looked up what does the word pursue mean, it means to follow in order to catch. So if we're pursuing God, we're running after him so we can be in relationship with him. There's a verse in Psalms 63, 8, in the New King James Version, says, My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. That's close. If, if God's right hand is upholding him, he's following close to behind God. That's the thing that we're thinking of when we pursue God, that we follow close behind him. The original Hebrew for that word pursue meant to follow close behind, also to cling to, to cleave to. It means that we with all of our soul follow after God. We pursue that relationship with him with all of ourselves. Our series uh, theme verse is Deuteronomy 4.29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So this time of 21 days at the head of the year, it's a special time that we're taking for all of us to really seek God, to pursue him, to put aside distractions, to fast from some form of food, and to take time to seek God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our strength. Because his word to us is that, in the verse in Deuteronomy, that as we seek him, we will find him. So that's what we want to do. As we get into this, we're going to look at Genesis 22 to an example in the Old Testament of Abraham. That's the first book of the Bible if you want to grab your Bibles or one near you in the row, it's in the, the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And we're going to chapter 22 and starting in verse 1. Okay. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. 
Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So we've studied the life of Abraham before, not that long ago, uh, about how he learned to follow God and how he uh, learned to obey what God told him to do. He was married to Sarah, and as he followed the Lord, in the beginning, at first he made some mistakes, right? Some bad choices. Uh, he did some things that were not good and got himself in trouble with the Pharaoh of Egypt and then later with Abimelech, the king of Gerar. And he lied about who Sarah was. But in spite of all of that, God protected him and kept speaking to him about the covenant that God had with him. And as these years went by, Abraham learned to trust God and to obey him and to wait for the promise of the Lord. After many years when it was physically impossible for Sarah and him to actually have a baby, uh, God gave them a son miraculously. Through Sarah, uh, God made their bodies be able to conceive, and they had a son named Isaac. Well, as Isaac grew into a man, the love that Abraham had for him was no doubt very strong. He'd waited like more than 40 years. He'd waited a long time. He had actually kind of given up hope that this would ever happen. He thought, well, maybe I misunderstood God. But no, God had that in mind, and he had that child. And... Uh, so he really had all of this stuff about his whole life waiting for this promised son. And Isaac represented then everything that God had given him, the promises of God, the covenants, and the hopes that he had. And then God speaks to Abraham in chapter 22 that we just read and asks him a difficult thing. God says to give his son as a sacrifice. Now, this is kind of a parallel. I don't know if you picked up on another thing in there. It's a little bit of a parallel between 
Abraham and when God gave his son Jesus to die for our sins. Isaac isn't the son of God, and that's not why he, he was asking him to sacrifice him. It had nothing to do with sacrificing for our sins, but he was asked to give him to God. And in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God also gave his son as a sacrifice. And Abram had to be willing to give his son as a sacrifice. It says three days later when they were traveling, three days later, then God raises him up. He doesn't sacrifice him and provides a, a different sacrifice. Three days later after Jesus was, was um, hung, hung on the cross, was killed on the cross, three days later he rose from the dead. It tells us in Hebrews that Abraham knew in his heart that if God had him go through with that, that he would have raised his son from the dead. That's amazing faith right there. Abraham, Abraham had learned to follow God and to trust in him. And so uh, verse 2 says, Take your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Abraham was asked to give his son as a sacrifice because God was wanting him to be willing to give everything he had to God. Abram's heart had, gone, had grown so fond of his son that uh, God needed to test him and make sure that he would still put God first. Abraham maybe had Isaac kind of crowding God out there in his heart. And we're not told of the anguish and the wrestling with that decision that Abraham made that night. Uh, after he received that command of God, he probably just really wrestled with this. Only thing we hear, we see in this word is that it says early the next morning. Abraham probably did not get a lot of sleep that night. I mean, wrestling with that, ah, you know, like that would have been difficult. That would have been seemed like to be contrary to everything God was doing for him to take the son that they were miraculously able to have. And now that Isaac is a young man, to then sacrifice him, what on earth? But Abraham came to the point of decision to follow God even when his heart would want to lead him in another way, to be obedient to the call, no matter what. So as we are in this time of prayer and fasting, these next 21 days, let us commit to the following things. First of all, to follow Jesus and to be obedient to his commands. See, you and I have decision points in our lives too. Uh, it's not about literally sacrificing our son on the altar. God would never ask us to do that. But there's points that we each face each day where we must choose to follow Jesus, to obey his commands, even when our hearts would want to go a different way. We have to be obedient if we desire to have the blessings and the future that God promises to us. We must choose him. We can become so attached to the dream, to the prophecy, to the promise that we let go of the relationship of God a bit and start hanging on tightly to the things that we want to see, the things that we want to have come to pass instead of God. And when we do this, we're actually placing an idol in our hearts because that's what an idol is. That's something that takes the place of God. And in the place that God alone wants to be in our hearts, Exodus 23 and 4 says, you shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So this is why Abraham was tested by God about that attachment to his son. It was starting maybe to crowd God out in his heart. And God needed Abraham to let go of that and place God as first in his life, to obey God no matter what. And this all took place, all this decision-making took place during the night. You know, uh, Abraham thinking about the obedience that he needed to follow. But by the time the morning came, Abraham had made that decision. And he left with a donkey, the two servants, and Isaac, and the wood for the burnt offering. Many years later, in the time of Moses, burnt offerings that they would sacrifice with an animal before God symbolized for them total surrender of that person to the Lord, of that nation to the Lord. And for Abraham, it really meant the same thing, didn't it? A total surrender to God. The age, uh, as I mentioned, the age of Isaac at this time was probably that of a young man, and it would have been difficult for him as well and probably kind of traumatic when he's looking around and thinking, where's the sacrifice? And then um, when he says, where's the lamb for the burnt offering, Abraham, sa Abraham says, you know what? God's going to provide it. Even there, God ha uh, Abraham has faith that God will provide something else. He's trusting God, though. God provides the lamb, just as on the cross, God provided the offering of the lamb, his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what Isaac thought in verses 9 and 10 when it tells us that Abraham bound him. He must have been thinking, wait a minute, this is going in a bad direction. <laughs> I'm not real sure. We don't have any record of what he said, but I'm sure he said something. <laughs> and Abraham binds him up and puts him on the altar, and then takes the knife ready to slay him. And at that moment, the angel says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Man, I bet there was never so much, never so much uh, uh, joy in Abraham's heart than to stop. Oh, he says, don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And that's the second thing that we want to do during the, commit to do during this time of 21 days. That's to trust God for his provision. God provided a sacrifice, a ram, it tells us, caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham sacrificed that ram instead of his son. And he names the place because this is such an awesome thing that he has just experienced. He calls the place in Hebrew Jehovah-Jireh which means the Lord will provide Jehovah-Jireh. Genesis 22, 15 to 18, then uh, the story goes on. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The Lord swears by himself. That means it's never going to change. 
God is changeless. God is all-powerful. He swears by the highest thing he can swear by, himself. That because Abraham was obedient and did not hold back his son, that God would bless Abraham. We often talk about how blessing follows obedience. You've heard us talk about that before. And here is an example of God speaking that over Abraham. As you obey the word of the Lord, you can speak his promises to you over yourself and ask God to fulfill that in you because blessing follows obedience. I have a question for you. What if Abraham had not obeyed God? What if he had said, no, Lord, I can't do that. That's too hard. You promised me a son. I'm just not going to go do that. What if he had said that? He wouldn't have the blessing. That's right. He would have missed out. Yeah, Abraham would have missed out on all that God had for him. But not just for him, also for all his descendants. They would have missed out too. When we obey the Lord, not only are we blessed, but our families are blessed. Our cities and our nations are also blessed according to what what God told Abraham, all because we obey the Lord. Deep in our hearts, there is a place that God has asked us to honor him and him alone. Our possessions and our relationships with other people are meant to be gifts to us that we enjoy, that we feel blessed by these relationships and gifts, that we thank God for them, but those things are not enshrined in our hearts. A.W. Tozer says, There is within the human heart a tough, fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, always to possess. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion. And God is calling us during this 21 days to let go and give to him. And that's number three on what we are committing to do, to release our treasures to the Lord, to Jesus. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Any part of us that's hanging on to things, to family, to friends, even to our own selves, our dreams, our plans, um, and possessing all of that before the Lord, that needs to be given over to Jesus Christ, those things that are there that are hindering our walk with God. We need to surrender all to him, be willing. That doesn't mean we don't have anything, but it means we are willing to lay that before the Lord with open hands. We need to deny ourselves to die to self. So another question for you, what is the hardest thing about dying to self, about surrendering to the Lord? What's the hardest thing about that? It's contrary. We don't want to do it. We, we don't want to put ourselves first. We want to put ourselves first. 
What else is hard? Leaving it there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like uh, this, right? Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. To die to self means that we want to die to those things that come between us and God, which means I don't have that hanging, clinging on to that thing and not allow God to be number one in my life. We need to remove that. Any clinging on to stuff, any hanging on to stuff that's not God, and bring it to the cross and put it to death at the cross. You know, anything that's hindering our hearts from fully honoring Jesus Christ, we need to allow God to root that out from our hearts. Any sense there of possessing, allow him to root that out. Our possessions, uh, our possessive clinging to things, actually is one of the most harmful habits we have in our lives. And it's not recognized many times, you know, that's the hard part about dying to self, is that we don't recognize that as, a, as evil, that we are acting that way, doing those things, hanging on to stuff like that. What we need to do is, is give it to the Lord. We hang on to everything naturally and want to hang on to it and not give it to God because we fear for what will happen then, right? Sometimes we don't want to give it back to God because we think, well, what's he going to do? You know, what if I allow him to be number one in my life? How, 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 what's going to happen? Especially when those treasures are things like that we love, like family, like friends, and certain habits. But God says to us that everything is safe that we commit to him. And nothing is safe that hasn't been committed to him. Even our gifts and our talents need to be submitted to the Lord because, after all, they're from him in the first place. We need to surrender everything to Jesus Christ and ask him to take everything out of our hearts that's enthroned there that we are possessing except for him. We need to ask that God reign there in power. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tozer says, The blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every eternal thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. These are the poor in spirit. Though free from all sense of possessing, yet they possess all things. Jesus said, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Abraham learned this too. He put God in charge of all the things in his life. He gave ownership of everything to God. He let go of possessing things and he let God take it. He placed God on the throne of his heart through this experience. His pursuit now was pursuing God and asking God to reign in his heart. The purpose of our fast this year and every year that we do this is to die to self. To ask God to remove anything in our hearts that is coming before him. To let go of anything that is not him that is occupying space in our heart. And ask him to have his way in us instead. In us, in our church, in our city, in our nation. And that's why we fast. We submit the body to the spirit.
to take our desires for things and even food and submit them to him. Shane Eidelman, who is a pastor in California, said, when God moves, prayer and fasting have often been the catalyst. And there's never been a greater need for God than there is right now in our country and in our area even. You know, you think you look around, you see all the things that are, are not good, but where it starts is with us. We need to submit ourselves to God and allow him to move and work in us. The Bible tells us, those who know your name trust in you. This is Psalm 910. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So as we seek God, no, he's not going to forsake us. He draws us closer. And prayer and fasting are that, those invitations to know and love Jesus more, to pursue him. God invites us to seek him, and he is worthy of that pursuit. When we seek God, we know he always does great things. Praying and fasting for 21 days is a great way to pursue God. And we're not saying fast all foods. That you can't do that for 21 days. Uh, but fast a type of food. For instance, in all the things you normally eat, pick one item and don't, that you normally eat, and then don't eat that one item for 21 days. Maybe it's uh, hamburgers. Maybe it's chicken. Maybe it's desserts. We had a woman one time who fasted cheese and chicken for 21 days. She said at the end of the 21 days, she longed for cheese and chicken like she never could believe she would. See, what's going to happen is when you seek God, like what is it I should give up? Don't you think the devil's going to try and make you desire that more than any other time in your whole life? <laughs> yeah. But what that is, that's a... a an invitation when you are craving that thing to turn and pray. Pray and ask God for his will to be done. Pray and proclaim scriptures over your life. Pray and ask God to have his will in his way. We gave a letter to all of you encouraging you to be part of this time. And you will receive from this prayer and fasting what you are willing to put into it. Uh, if you desire to have God do amazing things in your life, if you desire to see miracles, breakthroughs, healing, you'll see those happen when you commit to pray and fast. There's no rules about this fast, only this. Ask God what you should give up. Then be obedient to his leading. When the Bible talks about fasting, uh, every example in there is something with food. So it just tells us people fasted food, and that's what we're called to do too, to fast a food item. And, and even if you have dietary restrictions, you can find one food item to give up for 21 days. Uh, also, in addition to that, though, we don't want to just give up food. We want to use that time to set some time apart, away from distractions, to pray and to read the Word of God, the Bible. And on the handout for the series uh, that we made available to you, there is a link for a devotional that you can use. But really, it does not matter what devotional you use. You don't even have to use a devotional. You can just pray and read the Bible each day. King David wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 63, 1, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. 
And then verse 8 says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. See, David pursued God. He compared it here to hunger and thirst. Those are powerful motivators. Will you hunger and thirst for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ during these 21 days? Tommy Tenney in the book The God Chaser says, He, God, is not going to pour out his spirit where he doesn't find hunger. He looks for the hungry. Hunger means you're dissatisfied with the way it has been because you're forced to live without him in his fullness. He only comes when you are ready to turn it all over to him. When we're ready to pursue him, we will see God move. Let's be God chasers during the series. Let's be hungry for more of Jesus. And let's pursue God with all of our hearts, our souls, and our strength. Jesus is worthy of the pursuit. I encourage you to make the decision to pray and fast during these next 21 days, to seek God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and to pursue him, to be hungry for more of God and desire to see his presence fall in this place, to be filled with the fullness that God has for us. On the back table, there are some journals, uh, little journal books. You can take one of those with you and as you spend time each day with God reading the Bible and praying just write down what God is showing you maybe one of the verses really speaks to you just write that down keep a journal of each day how God is speaking to you and the things he's doing in your life on that back table would you stand as we close like I said I encourage you to make the decision to pray and fast during these next 21 days. And if you just bow your heads, if you are willing to commit to fast and pray as God shows you during this next 21 days, if you're hungry for more of God, to be a pursuer of Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you that we have this opportunity to grow closer to you. Lord God, I pray that you would use this time to draw us close to you, Lord, as we pursue you, as we seek you with all of our hearts. Lord God, I pray that you would do marvelous works in each of us. Father, I, I pray that we'd be willing to give up something and to submit our bodies to the Holy Spirit, to allow you to rule and reign in our hearts. Lord God, I pray that you give us the ability to do this. There's, there's nothing so wonderful as the the sense that we're all in this together, that we're all doing this. So, Father, I pray that you would just really uh, give us the ability and the, and the encouragement we need to keep going for these 21 days. Father, we pray for breakthroughs. We pray that people who are struggling with issues, Lord, would be set free. Lord, we pray for healing, people who need healing, body, soul, and spirit. Lord God, I pray you would heal them as they fast and pray. Lord God, I pray too for uh, families that need healing. Lord God, I pray that that would happen as we trust you and follow you and as we uh, go through this 21 days together. And Lord God, at the end, we pray for testimonies. 
that would just give honor and glory to you. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to speak to each of us each day as we journal and spend time in your word. Lord God, I pray that uh, we would have more revelation from you of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We just thank you, Father, for all you're going to do at South Oaks in these next 21 days. In Jesus' mighty name. To the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.